Good morning, my name is Lainey Gaston and I will be reading from John 3, 1 through 21. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from the heavens. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they are doing, what God wants. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'll take this off, I guess. Um, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And uh, we continue in our sermon series on American idols. And this week, we look at voyeurism. <clears throat> it's been a long day. We've all had them. You're tired. You're beaten, you're unfulfilled, and you, and for most of us, right, we start surfing, or we do the thumb swipe, right? Headphones in, head down. I always wonder if we're going to eventually be bent over permanently, right? I always wondered if God's going to kind of make our thumbs be shaped a different way so we can swipe better, but there you are taken away into someone else's beauty and someone else's horror. Someone else's awesomeness, someone else's brokenness. 
Something delicious, something disgusting. Someone's cleverness, someone else who's curious. There you are. Like most of us, especially these days, stuck at home. Degreed, smart, ambitious, struggling for meaning and purpose, tired and lonely, misunderstood, nothing good, right? Nothing, rather, like a good cry or pry into someone else's troubles. And whether an old-school TV broadcast or YouTube or Facebook or TikTok or Instagram, something about those stories make you feel like you are not alone, that your marriage and life have hope, that you are not so bad. Another night, right, of loneliness. For some of us, another evening of marital strikeout, missing the mark, not getting a hit emotionally or physically, getting alone to not be alone, right? Because she and they are right there for you online. In the middle of the night or in the middle of the workday, they get you. She or he gives you the wholeness and fulfillment you want via the screen. They're all there. In cyberspace, plenty of people to give you relationship. You can see their pictures. You can read their stories. You can really connect. There is just enough of the window shade up, right? There is a metaphorical crack in the door, just enough light with darkness for you and I to peek in. Maybe it's today's show. Maybe it's the shared video post. And it's another one of those head shakers, right? Another bad person or bad event on the evening news or a wrong thing that someone makes you filled up and and explode with, what's this world coming to? Or you have the size of disgust. It is just what you need. It's the intro music for your personal sermon, right? You're preaching to the audience to scream with you as past the screen with you as pastor, choir, and savior. Today, God gives us an opportunity to let us look. He lets us look into a dark conversation, a conversation in the dark, rather, between Nicodemus, a Pharisee, and member of the ruling council of Israel, and with him and Jesus. And he comes to, and Nicodemus comes to peek in at Jesus, to, to see him without being seen by others, to experience and be who he is, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, afraid, you know, in the dark, afraid of what others may think if they saw him with Jesus or knew how what they thought, you know, what he thought about the teacher. Jesus, like him in the dark, voyeuring the sordid and scandalous for justification and answers for issues within, right? That's what he's doing. My hope is that God will give us the ability to see, to actually be granted by him a redeemed, if you will, view and peek on yourself and your world, and most importantly, his hope for your life. But why does voyeurism, being able to see, to peek in, feel so freeing, so good, so liberating, especially from the work day or hard day or the burdensome? Because as broken people in an equally broken world, we have become priors, if you will, liars. We're life thieves. 
We're peeping toms of the scandalous and the sensual. We're looking for a good view, yet through shattered lenses and, and through the cracked mirror of our hearts and, and voyeurism, which is enjoy, the enjoyment in, in seeing the nakedness and raw human, the raw humanity, the uncovered sensuality and beauty and distress and pain of others. It does three things the passage reveals today that has captured our hearts that I want us to focus on, right? First... Voyeurism lets us experience the lives of others without responsibility. Secondly, voyeurism allows us um, to experience our brokenness without responsibility. And finally, voyeurism lets us experience redemption without responsibility. First, it provides, unlike anything else, an experience of life but without responsibility. The ones you look at and the ones who would see you are not there to make you accountable for what you're seeing and what you're doing with what you're seeing. You know, they are not there to make your pleasures guilty. No one is there to spoil the party, to make you take your yucky medicine, right? To, to tell you how bad you are, to question you or the validity of your thinking. It frees you to take no responsibility for how you use them or yourself. Look at verse 20. We're going to spend most of our time at the end of this passage with Nicodemus. We're not going to get too much into the meat of their conversation. But I wanted to read the whole passage so that you would gain the context in which Jesus is speaking this. It says this in verse 20. This is Jesus speaking. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Right? And, and this is a, a constant teaching of Jesus throughout the Gospels of we like to be in the, in the dark and we don't want to come in the light and, and truth in the light. We, we don't want that brought, right? We don't want to be exposed. And so we are looking for a no judgment on how we should or shouldn't feel and, and what we should do with our eyes or our bodies or our minds. And it's relief when you have to be good, you know, and even play games all day at work or, or, to all, or, or all night uh, to finally have a chance, right? Uh, through voyeurism, especially these days uh, with our phones and our computers, right? To, to finally have a chance for unbridled and unhindered emotional, mental, and physical fix that no one will understand or everyone will think is stupid or weird except you and the thing offering it to you. I mean, come on. Everyone needs a dark place, right? We all need this dark space to be ourselves without any condemnation of, of, of our good or bad or weaknesses or vices or likes or dislikes. You're in the dark because some of us feel like what, what, feel like what shouldn't be liked, you know, like we like something that shouldn't be liked rather, and you know it, but you just want to be able to, to escape condemnation, to, to enter a dark freedom, right? Free to enter a world of racism and sexism and infidelity and all kind of craziness. Free in and by the darkness. Free to be wrong by yourself. A place to be free just for a moment in time. To be wrong and okay at the very same time. But it's not just you. It's not just about you though, is it? Because in most of these situations, there is an object 
of desire. There is a main character in you viewing evil or doing evil or, or looking into something that you shouldn't be looking into, right? There is an object of desire, and we will see later, even of disgust, right? That is a person that is tied to a person. And voyeurism gives you the freedom to use people without responsibility, the hiding talked about in verse 20 that we just read is not just about being hidden to be what you want, but hidden to escape the justice of the eyes of the one you are stealing from by spying on or lying to or, or you know, what we do we're sort of putting our own caption and personal purpose on them to get a glimpse of what you shouldn't. Foyerism is shoplifting the lives of people. You're a thief in a face mask. You're stealing from them. And we are taking the misfortunes or ignorance or deception and determining all kinds of things about them that they cannot respond to. We use their images or live action moments like nouns and adjectives and pre prepositions in our, you know, in our sentences of judgment. We call them stupid and trailer trash and ghetto and tonight's love interest that, that they deserve it or wanted it or, or, or friend or foe to us. And they with you and I hidden in the safety of our own living rooms or relational positions, right? We, we, we just get to, get to put uh, descriptions and judgments on them, right? And sometimes it isn't online. Sometimes it's a neighbor that we get to look at from across the street. We get to make up stories in our minds. Or a close friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, right? And you're just taking them all in. They have no way of saying, no, I am not what you think. No, I don't want you seeing me like that. You can't have me like that or call me that or use me like that. But in this particular sin, which is, I mean, just all over the place in our country and in our lives, right? We do it all the time. And some of us are thinking, but come on. They went on the show. They know they're going to be treated badly. You know, there's a show um, my sons like. I hope they don't get upset at me saying it. But they love this show. Y'all know the show Ridiculousness? You know what they have to say at the beginning of that show? Don't try this at home, yes, but don't send us any videos of you being stupid like the ones we're showing you. We won't, and they have to say, we're not going to look at them. If you send us a video of someone falling or doing something stupid or throwing up or something, right? We're not going to show it. Without further ado, let me show you some of it, Right? But they have to tell us not to send it because there are people who are going to send it. They want you to see them. So we look and we go on. You know, they went on that show. They can't keep putting up the Instagram video. Or they did the porn movie or wore that too loose or too tight or too low. Or they went in front of the camera knowing they were being watched, asking for negative attention, acting like a fool, or wore that seductive clothing. You've heard people say it all the time. She knew what she was doing. Right? And as true as that may or may not be, it's the same as saying to a person who's poor, who can't afford an alarm system for their home or, or chains to tie down their lawn furniture, that they're offering the world a five-finger sale automatically. Let me say this. People's ignorance, evil intent, or desire for fame or attention 
is not a just reason to use them. It is not a just reason to steal their lives from them, especially if they obviously are unaware. Hear me. They're unaware of how valuable or invaluable they are in offering what they are. To be a thief that takes what they have left out on the lawn of a television show or a website or an open life or home or window or clothing or conversation, and especially you believers. You're called to value people the way the Lord does, even when they cannot value themselves. I remember there was a time when there was a lot of, I guess you could call it, I don't know if it was gentrification at that time, or something was happening in, in, in uh, Charleston, where I'm from, and there was an antique company, and they hired, they wanted to hire my aunt to work for them. And we said, you know what we want you to do? You have relationship with so many of your people. See if you can find some good furniture that they may not know about. Like, they may not value it. And she was like, I can't do that. You want me to go in people's homes and see valuable pieces of furniture that may be passed down in their lives and get it? Right? They're not going to see me trying to steal something for your company? It's stealing. Even if they say, yeah, you can have that old thing. I should let them know that that old thing is incredibly valuable. Right? And voyeurism stops us from being condemned for what we, are, we ourselves know and know others will deem evil. It's escape from judgment or condemnation in and about ourselves that we cannot handle. But with voyeurism, we want more than just to know evil and scandal. We want to see it and experience it without responsibility. Okay, let's, let's wear out verse 20 again. Let's look at it one more time. It says, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. You know, in the context of Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, there is some sense in which in his world going to see Jesus is a sin, right? He, he could be deemed wrong. We like coming at night because what Jesus is saying here is that we stay in the dark because we know we deserve to be punished or caught. And by not coming forth for how we have wrongly done people or in defense of those done wrong, we force someone else, hear me now, to bear the weight of our condemnation. A voyeur is a person who is aware of their condemned thoughts and feeling and life and brokenness and thus stays in the dark to enjoy the condemnation and brokenness of other people. That's why we like those shows on TV. That's why we like certain news reports and publications and websites because we like to see people get what we feel and know we deserve ourselves. You know, there is this justice piece in all of us that likes to see others get caught, killed, hurt, suffer, because we are so guilty ourselves. We want cheap justice for our sense of guilt, and so we steal it from the sufferings of others. You know, it's why shock shows where people get caught or found out or hurt for doing something stupid. You know why we like them? Because you're such a fake yourself, and you hate it. Why shows that we like about deformed people 
Man, TLC is like the, the modern day freak show, right? Oh, 600 pound this and the man with the 800 pound tumor on his face and all of this stuff. We like it because you hate your own vanity, that you know you look good, right? Why shows what failed dreams like the outtake reels of American Idol? Well, so you think you can dance. This, this is an old sermon. Because <laughs> you are such a failure, right, in your own life. You failed to pursue and fulfill your own dreams and know you think more of yourself than you should. Why do we like to see people get caught cheated on or caught cheating? Because you cheat, even in your own mind, and hard on those you should love and believe and feel that you are, some of us, cheat on worthy. Why do you like to see shows of people hating each other? Why? Why do we like the housewives of wherever? Just cutting each other down. Almost like we wish somebody gets scratched in the face. We love it. Right? We love it too. If they, even if they got if they got a weave or something, yeah, pull that out. Ah! We love it. We love it. Oh, she coming now? Oh, she gonna catch her with her man? We love it. Cause you hate others. And something about you believes others should hate you. Why do we like, see, like to see apprentices get fired? I told you this, show, this sermon was old. Never knew that, that TV star to become president. Anyway, because we are overcompetent jerks ourselves, and you hate that about yourself. There's a twisted desire for justice within your own mess that you can't and won't deal with or face. So you look on it with others, on others' mess from the darkness and you stay out of the light with that. And so in exercising this type of justice in voyeurism, we seek to be justified and validated by seeing people suffer, not only for our guilt, but for, the, for those guilty, hear me, of hurting us. Some of us have been made to feel ugly and fat. We weren't fat. We weren't ugly until this person moved the dial. <laughs> we thought we had a good shape until this person got a fake butt, right? Or fake whatever, right? Not, 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 not until there was this much plastic surgery. Now the dial is over here and you're out of shape. You eat too much, right? <sighs> Some of us are made to feel ugly and fat by the flaunting thinness of the world. So we want to see shows where the beautiful are destroyed. I'm glad they got caught. I'm glad they got divorced. I'm glad they lost everything. I'm hurt by my own sordid sexual thoughts. So we like to watch the big dogs get it, right? Someone did us wrong. Someone powerful. Someone privileged. So we love when R. Kelly, former President Trump, we love when they get taken down. We just want to watch it. You know, sometimes we want to look at their faces fall 
Man, there are memes where they just keep showing faces over and over just broken. And we want it because we've been so mistreated. We want justice. We've been hurt over and over by proud, privileged people. We have been oppressed and bullied. So, so we like to watch, again, beautiful people made fun of fall and get hurt because we have always been made to feel like less around the good-looking, strong, and popular. Voyeurism makes you say yes at murder and horror, looking to see the worst, right? Some of us most bloody and shameful and condemning. You smile and laugh at things you shouldn't and embarrassments and go, ooh, at the greatest you know, sports disasters or laugh when a drug-using father of mother of three is arrested as the bad boys by the police department on national tv deep down we get that itch scratch when someone else's husband is caught in the back seat with someone else on the camera we like it when someone is voted off the island in part because we think the world should be judged we i'm with you i can't stand the world's imperfection and spottiness I can't stand the hypocritical stuff in the world, not only in the world, but in myself. And there's something I want, you know, I want it to end or be maimed or beat into discipline. And there is a seed of righteousness in that, but there is a bunch of hate in it too. We may see things that our spotlight is brought on, but do you see that we stand in the darkness as we peer in? We have turned to a twisted justice in which we, the guilty, in the dark, like seeing others in a light suffer, and we, the suffering, like to see others be guilty. What should make us cry and hurt and hurt and pray makes us alive and hopeful with vengeance because the God of warriorism gives us a twisted redemption. I feel better today that so-and-so got caught. Not because of justice joy. I don't want to take justice joy away. Because we haven't known true redemption for ourselves. Makes you look, you as you look at others' lives from the dark, not look or feel as bad as you could or you should. Nicodemus wants to feel good by not being like others. And as a Pharisee looking for some sort of self-righteous, but in the dark, right? Feeling good and right about himself without being known, but knowing. Like the person Jesus talks about in these verses. Let's go back to verse 19 again. these bad boys today because they make these too small he says and the judgment is based on this fact God's light came into the world but people love the darkness more than a light for their actions were evil and who and all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. The person is looking. Now I want you to look at this picture, right? The person Jesus is talking about is looking from a dark place, but they stand next to people in the light, which makes them feel okay. And that is the power of voyeurism. No one knows you are crouched, hiding in the dark, because you live and show most of your life off in the light in ways that make you look righteous. So you don't let people see the parts of you that are dark that are wrong, that are twisted. You only show the parts that stop you from being judged. At the same time, there are huge parts of our hearts and our lives and our eyes and our actions that live in the dark so we can see other people's lives in ways that we shouldn't. If I want to escape my bad feeling or make myself feel better, I can just start swiping and clicking and booyah, right? I'm not that bad anymore. I feel like the people in the light now. I'm the good person. Look at them. Man, I thought I was bad. I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. I'm a good person.
person. Look at these folk. I'm justified by looking at what I would never do or be like. Christians or so-called Christians could fall into this trap easy. Again, I call them the head shakers. What has the world come to? Reality TV gives us a glimpse at people worse than us. But stealing, misfortune, or fall of someone else to make yourself feel more valuable. Look, I'm not really bad. Look, I'm not really greedy. We like seeing stupid, see people act stupid on TV because now, guess what? I'm not stupid. Look, I'm not a pervert. After all, look, I'm not a bad husband or wife. Look at that. I'm successful. Look, I'm not ugly. Look, I am all right. So you're not looking at them. You're looking to see how you would look next to them. And we take the blood of people's lives, the broken bones of their sufferings, and, may, and we make an ointment. We make a soothing bath out of it. We make a miracle treatment, a blood sacrifice for our sin, and we are clean and better and healed because look at them. Therefore, I am clean. Voyeurism is glaring at what is broken and has been broken to justify yourself. It is a glimmer of hope that you are not as bad as. It has consumed us in America. It, I mean, our whole life is it. Do you know that? I mean, okay. Do a little test. I want you just to drive your car, stop at a stoplight, and look around the cars around you. Who ain't on their phone? Right? You, you're in the line anywhere. In the, it doesn't matter. Go to the, no, you don't want to go to the DMV. But go to, the, go to any line. You go to, if you're on the line at DMV, you probably did something wrong, like you passed a date to do it online. Right? Such judgment at the DMV. Right? But just, just look around. Look at the kids' soccer games, right? Look at anywhere. There's a moment we want to get in the darkness and look through the hole everywhere, every time. Now, there are a lot more idols in this, right? There's a lot more stuff involved. But I just want you to know, imagine just if we were to visualize it, if we were just to to have a painting of of the United States of America at any given moment, we would all be crouching over looking in holes. Is that the picture of our humanity? Is God wanting us to just live in darkness for self-pleasure? Is that what it is? Is this what we've become? Yes, it is. It's what I've become. You have no idea at night. I'm like, man, I'm so tired. Woo, can't, get, can't wait to go to sleep. Woo, get in the bed. Phone. Because I got to relax. I don't have to relax. I've got to unburden my brokenness. I got to channel my unmet desires. This ain't a sermon for men, but dudes, some of the stuff on TikTok and Instagram, you can go from what? How to cook a salad to something else real fast. In between. Do you know, it's just, just a real quick video. Oh, I'm learning how to do a workout. Hmm. No, you're not looking at no workout. You're looking at somebody else work it out, right? Oh, pastor, don't talk about this. No, I- I'm going to talk about it because if I don't, somebody else is. And I want you to be discipled here. I don't want you left to your own thoughts like it's okay to just look at everybody from the side, the front, and the behind. Like, that, that, ain't, that ain't the right. That ain't right. That ain't relaxation. That's condemnation, right? That, that's disgrace for you as a person. Right? Just, whoo, right? And I'm bad. You know, if, if you're a friend of mine or in my family, what time do you get? Amari, Sharice, what time do y'all get Instagram reels for me? 
12? Sometimes one in the morning? Derek, right? Sometimes I'll send some stuff and you'll be like, I don't get no response back and I'll be feeling bad. Dang. You know what makes me feel worse? When I look at the clock. Oh my goodness, it's 12.30. They sleeping. You know, my brothers and I and dad, we got it too. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so stupid. Boop, 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 boop. Just share it all over the place to people, right? So if you get that from me at 1230 in the morning, I'm keeping it real, okay? So here, my, my, dad, my dad wrote back. Okay. He wrote back. I'm trying to sleep. Why is my phone going off? What are y'all doing at one in the morning? Ha ha. Thumbs up. Laugh, right? At the end of the day, in the morning, we're, it's right here, and we're trying to unburden it. One thing I think is important from this verse, look, let's look at verse 21 real quick. It says, but those who do what is right come to the light as so others, so others can see that they are doing what God wants. God sees his redemption force, right? The answer to voyeurism is voyeurism, positive voyeurism. You look up the definition of voyeurism, you don't. Mm. I was looking for a picture for voyeurism. Oh, Lord. Woo! Okay. Don't search that. Okay. Right? But to see in part what and how God sees, right? To be a voyeur by God's invitation. He's given us a link to his webcam. He's paid for a view of his reality show. Who wouldn't want that? What does God let us see? He, see we, he allows us to see that he sees you and everyone and everything people do. He knows Nicodemus' heart, Jesus does, and life, and that's what he's responding to. He tailors a talk to declare that God sees all. It is safe to say God is a righteous and good seer. He sees into every window and every heart, every keyhole, which means he sees you. He, there, there you are looking and hiding in shame and condemnation, looking at others and others' lives. And the Bible says this, God sees us not in the darkness, but he sees us in his light. He sees you looking. And for the voyeur, for Nicodemus, that's good news, even though it is unsettling for us, a damaging to, to, to the dream and fantasy of being alone and unaccountable and free. It is still good news because God sees you. He knows you're a thief. He knows you're a liar. And he has mercy on you. That he sees you and still offers mercy. That for the voyeur, there is, oh my gosh, I know you want to go to shame. Oh man, you know when I preach sometimes, I can tell when things get a little difficult, gets real still. Like the shameful person don't want to move. Because if you move, yep, it's them, Right? You know, you should be looking at it at night. Yeah, you're right, Pastor. We sure should. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> no one want to tell on their husband, mm-hmm, I know what he'd be flipping on over there. Flipping on. I know what he'd be doing, right? It is good news. For the warrior, there isn't shame in Christ. There's grace in Christ for somebody just like you. There is hope that God who sees you and judges you well and true, he sees it all, offers and has sent his son Jesus to be that light, not of condemnation, the scripture tells us, but of love for you, a sinner who's trying to be slick. 
And it's all because he lets you and me see. Look at verses 4, 14 through 17. One of the most popular verses ever, right? Oh, Lord, got my handkerchief out and all. But I ain't sweating. <laughs> okay. This ain't even the right kind of handkerchief for this, for that kind of thing. Ain't no sweat coming off on that. All right. It says, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come to look on our lives to make us feel shame. You look on other people's lives to deal with your shame. Look, you look at other people's lives to condemn them and lift yourself up. You stand in darkness and look in on other people's shame and failure, and you get off on that. Jesus is saying, I look in your life. I see all your failures. I brought it in the light, and I have not come to shame you or condemn you or relegate you as some kind of creep. I've come to love and save you. The Lord lets you and me stand outside condemnation and lets us see someone else truly suffer. He actually plays into it. He lets us see someone else suffer for real and full guilt. He calls us even to look and see someone bring justification to our lives in ways we are too condemned and sinful, feeling and shameful to do or shameful, mean, you know, shameful, mean thing that God has done for us. He lets us and calls us to look to the message of the gospel. And this is what he's talking about in verse 14, to look at the most bizarre sight on earth. You know, a curse above curse, a violence above all violence. You see the Old Testament, in Old Testament, a venomous snake was used to bite and kill his people who were disobedient to him. That's just a quick story, okay? Venomous snakes went out through the camp, bit people up. And it is asking them to look at that same snake on a stick. He is saying, look and be healed by looking at what was cursed and sordid and scandalous and filled with venom and deadly and death. And for us voyeurs, this is what we have been waiting for. This is what our hearts really long for, to see the curse above all curses. That snake on the tree, as Jesus tells Nicodemus, is Jesus himself. That we are called by the gospel to see, to peer at, to take a look at Jesus' expense, at the horror and evil and violence of our lives and lives of our world, to see the full embarrassment and open shame of the world on one person, to see the most innocent become the most guilty, to see the highest celebrity, God himself, become nothing, to become a thief on a common cross, a naked, beaten, bloody mess, to, yes, suffer for our sins, to suffer for all the things done wrong against us others, to die and suffer in ways we deserve, but for real this time, to really take our sins away. You don't have to swipe. You don't have to stand in the darkness and look for guilt or guilt or, or something to take your guilt away, guilt away or make you feel better about yourself. That thing that you're longing for to look at and to peer at has been given to you in Christ Jesus. 
so you don't have to live in darkness anymore. You know why you keep coming back and back? Because the shame never goes away. The guilt you're hoping somebody else will pay for for their stupidity, it never goes away. It becomes addictive. Addiction is not life. Christ has come to bring you life. So look. Whatever's been done to me, there it is on him. For all the things I hate about myself and justly hate about the world, it's on him. For all the shame I feel for looking at this and looking at that and desiring that and having this twisted love of this and this twisted desire to see this or experience this emotionally or sexually or physically or whatever, it's on him. Do you see him? The fact that he's on the cross bearing every sin in any way you could have experienced it all the guilt and all the shame that you're looking to relieve yourself of is a sign and a surety that he's seen it in your life. That he's experienced it. You know, I was looking on how to fix this voyeur issue and his behavioral modification. <laughs> no. It's being born again. It, it, it's, it's having a new heart. And it's done by believing this truth. God sees me. He saw me. He forgave me. And he sees me looking in a million. See, this. I'm not going to give you any false hope. Your hope is in God's goodness. He's going to watch you look in a million keyholes. And he will never condemn those who are in Christ Jesus. He will transfer them, transform them with new life. Keep looking at Christ. From the darkness, some of us, you know, on them long, shameful nights, I've had many of them. Man, ain't no freedom come. My guilt ain't gone. In a moment, from this shame to this shame to that shame. If you're looking to make yourself feel better by someone else's issues, it goes from this to this to this. At each moment, I want to assure you, Christ is there. He's not abandoned you. Look at him. He bears your shame. But look at him looking at you with love and acceptance and joy. The Bible says, for God so loved you and me that he let Christ experience the shame and guilt that we voyeurs are looking for to get rid of. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can't stop. We're so hungry. We're so burdened with shame.
We're so addicted by the rush of wholeness. We're so enamored by looking in at others, uncovered in their shame, their brokenness, their stupidity, their lack of awareness, their lack of valuing themselves. We're trapped. But Lord, even when we come to you in our darkness like Nicodemus, meet us with the good news that the Son of Man was sent for those who have a hard time living in the light. That the Son of Man was sent for those addicted to peeking in, to peeping. You are God and Lord of the voyeurs. Thank you, Lord, that that is true in our country with our American idols. At one day, though, Lord, we ask, please free us from it and let us see you face to face in the flesh. This is our hope. In Jesus' name, amen.